well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad that you have joined us today. Election 2020 getting even uh, wilder and woolier uh, with the uh, death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg on Friday. Uh, Now looks like we are going to have a, a Supreme Court confirmation battle uh, amidst the election here. Don't know uh, when a vote will take place. President Trump has indicated that uh, perhaps as early as Wednesday, he will name his nominee to be the next Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, this is going to have far-reaching ramifications not only for the uh, election uh, and the outcome, as we'll get into with our guest, Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation, but, uh, I mean, again, if you needed any other uh, data points to uh, to tell you just how important the Supreme Court is uh, for our right to keep and bear arms, th- this is it. I mean, we're now not talking just about what the next Biden administration might do uh, in terms of banning uh, semi-automatic firearms, in terms of banning large-capacity magazines, uh, imposing universal background checks, uh, uh, encouraging states to establish may-issue gun licensing programs. We're now talking again about the future of Second Amendment jurisprudence for decades to come. Uh, and given the fact that the court, apparently right now, you know, as we've talked about in, in, in months past, takes four justices to agree to hear a case, takes five to win. We know that there are four justices who want to hear a Second Amendment case, but the, the problem seems to be that nobody knows where Chief Justice John Roberts is going to come down. And so neither side, neither the four justices that have said, hey, we need to take a Second Amendment case, nor the liberal wing of the court uh, who would say, right, let's strike down some uh, some of these uh, gun laws uh, and let's you know restore some common sense gun safety standards to the Second Amendment. I don't think either side really wants to uh, to take that plunge because they don't know where Chief Justice Roberts is. OK, well, that's not going to change uh, even if we get a, a a new associate justice on the Supreme Court. But I do think that it uh, it would likely tip the scales uh, in favor of Second Amendment cases being heard uh, and, knock on wood, uh, being successfully challenged, some of these gun control laws being successfully challenged at the nation's highest court. So here to talk about this, Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation, one of the uh, sharpest legal minds I know, getting into the uh, nitty-gritty details of uh, what is likely to happen here, including the uh, response by Democrats, that if the Trump administration proceeds with actually appointing somebody to the bench, that if Joe Biden wins in November, and if Democrats take control of the Senate, they will pack the court, yeah, to ensure an anti-gun majority. Take a look and a listen. Amy, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to be back on. Yeah, well, listen, as if the uh, 2020 election wasn't crazy enough, now we have the, uh, <laughs> now we have SCOTUS. Uh, and, and look, I mean, the Supreme Court should have been an important consideration, I think, for voters, uh, even before the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, on Friday. But uh, now, clearly, uh, this has been ramped up to 11. I mean, you've got Chuck Schumer talking about packing the court. Uh, if uh, Donald Trump goes through and Republicans are able to confirm a replacement uh, for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, you know, have you, I guess, you know, just an easy question. Have you ever seen a, a confirmation battle that has um, the, the far-reaching consequences that this one will have? 
no, certainly not in my lifetime. Um, you know, arguably you could you could go back to the the earlier days of American history, but but certainly not in my lifetime. And I think part of that, especially now, when you have uh, on both sides, but especially on the Democratic side, this uh, this uh, sort of allegations already of impropriety with mail-in vote-in ballots, and uh, there's a very good chance there will be a lot of contested issues that come before the court with regard to the election, um, that this, having this seat filled, uh, not just in terms of who that person is, but even just having that ninth vote uh, to avoid potential four-four splits on uh, contentious issues coming out of the election, I think uh, this becomes even more important uh, given what we've seen with all of this rhetoric about the election. Absolutely. And of course, you know, Democrats will say, well, that, that's why we shouldn't have a vote uh, because we can't trust that the results will be uh, uh, impartial. Uh, that, you know, a, a, a new appointed Supreme Court may just rubber stamp uh, any um, opposition uh, to the election results from the uh, Trump campaign or the Trump administration. Um, what, what's the what's the, uh, the the counter argument to that? What is the argument as to why we need nine justices now? We had Democrats make that argument a, a few years ago when uh, Merrick Garland, uh, you know, was uh, nominated by uh, Barack Obama and Mitch McConnell said, "No, we're not going to have a, uh, a hearing this close to the election." Um, is this nothing more than you know partisan politics at play, or are there some principles at work? Uh, well, certainly there are some pretty steadfast principles at, at work here. So I think first, let's go back and talk about what happened in 2016. So in 2016, you had a essentially a lame duck president in his last year. So someone uh, who, regardless of what happened in the election, there was going to be a new president. Uh, Obama was not running again. Um, so the argument there was that never in the history of America had there been a scenario where you had a lame duck president uh, and a Senate controlled by the opposite party where the Senate confirmed uh, a nominee in that last year. Now, fast forward uh, to, to this year, and you have a different scenario. So you don't have a lame duck president. You have a president who is running for re-election. There is a chance of a new president, but also you could have the same president. And more importantly, you have a Senate-controlled by the same party as the sitting president. Uh, and unlike with the opposite uh, scenario in 2016, there is a longstanding history that is not at all unusual in this scenario for the Senate to proceed with the confirmation process. Um, so just from sort of a technical historical precedent issue, uh, you know, there's not this sort of changing of principles here to say that these are two separate uh two separate instances with, with two very different um, sort of historical approaches to it. So I think that's very important and something that is being painted over um, with sort of a broad, uh, unnuanced brush by many opponents of filling this seat. Yeah, absolutely. And what what do, what do you make of, uh, you know, comments by uh, folks like Senator Chuck Schumer saying that uh, if Republicans proceed here, if the Trump administration proceeds, that they will pack the court uh, if Joe Biden wins in November and if Democrats take control of the Senate, that they'll simply expand the Supreme Court from, you know, nine justices, maybe to 13, and, and they'll uh, guarantee that there is a uh, a progressive majority, an anti-gun majority, specifically for our audience, uh, that have sit on the court for not years, but decades to come. Yeah, so there, there are two important things here. I, you know, I, I think from the standpoint of, of you, know, you want to talk about pure hypocrisy, you know, there is at least an argument that 
Republicans who, who did not want to confirm the nominee in 2016 are not being inconsistent by saying, look, this is a different, um, the different set of circumstances that don't apply to the, the rule we had in 2016. Whereas in 2016, you, you had a lot of Democrats saying across the board, it doesn't matter if there's an election, you must hold hearings, you must vote to confirm uh, or to not confirm, you at least have to have the vote, that are now completely opposed to that, saying, no, we, we shouldn't have the vote at all. Um, so I, I think the actual pure hypocrisy has come arguably from just one side here. But I, I think even on top of that, you know, you talk about packing the court. Um, so on the one hand, there isn't a constitutionally set number of justices. It has changed over time. But generally, when you talk about packing the court uh, for political reasons, for the, the sheer purpose of you know, making sure that you have justices who will agree with you, um, you know, that is a sort of thing that is unprecedented in American history. So FDR uh, threatened to do this numerous times during uh, the, the New Deal, but that was even, you know, during that time, that was even too much for proponents of the New Deal to say this is unprecedented, this is a very bad precedent, because what's stopping, you know, that the next time the other party gets in power from just adding six or seven more justices, now all of a sudden we have a hundred justices. You know, so I, I think if you want to talk about hypocrisy in sort of an unprincipled, um, unprecedented stance, I really think when, when a push comes to shove, it is largely coming from one side of the political debate here. Yeah, I, I suspect that, uh, and I agree with you on that. And, you know, and it's interesting, I mean, you point out that when Roosevelt talked about packing the court, uh, Democrats in Congress actually were the ones who said, nah, we're not going to go along with this. Uh, now you've got uh, Joe Biden as recently as last year saying, no, no, you know, no, we're not going to pack the court. Uh, but it's Democrats in Congress who are uh, encouraging him to do so. Uh, and I, to the best of my knowledge, I mean, Biden hasn't really had any press events over the weekend. I, I would I would suspect that in a, uh, a you know, an ordinary circumstance, there should be something that Biden would be uh, oppressed on and quizzed about. But I mean, given the uh, the tongue bath that the media has given Biden, I, I don't know that they're even going to press him on whether or not his comments from 2019 uh, are, are his beliefs today. No, absolutely not. And I, I think that has been sort of an ongoing theme with regard to to questioning of Joe Biden about some of his positions. But I, I think, you know, again, to go back to this idea of packing the court, um, you know, the, the, the basic underlying premise of doing that is that uh, – you have this theory of, well, look, we're going to get justices on there that are outcome-oriented, that we know are going to give us the outcomes that we want. And I think even that in and of itself sort of shows the difference between the left and right right now in terms of how they perceive the role of the judiciary. So when conservatives generally talk about, you know, what makes a good judge, uh, they don't necessarily get up there and say, well, we want a judge who is, is outcome-oriented, who's going to give us the outcomes that we want. As much as we say we want a judge who has a principled framework, you know, based on, on, uh, you know, understanding their job is to say what the law is, what the Constitution is, and not what they wish it to be. Um, and, it, and it's much more focused on the process than it is on the outcome. And I, I think what you're seeing from a lot of progressives now is the sense of which, you know, they understand judges as being, well, we need to pack the court with judges who are going to give us a particular outcome in particular cases. And I think that's a very, very important and foundational difference between sort of how the left and the right um, generally views what makes a good judge. 
I, I, I think that you're right. Um, although, you know, listen, I, I, I will say, I think that there is, uh, some on the right who, who also are, I don't necessarily know that they're, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all about the outcomes. But for instance, look, we've seen criticism of Chief Justice John Roberts, uh, particularly, you know, over the last six months or so when the court, uh, first, uh, declared that the New York City gun case had been mooted. Uh, and mm-hmm. then when the court rejected all 10, uh, cases having to do with the Second Amendment. There, you know, the, the, the rumors were that that Robert had gone squishy uh, on the Second Amendment. Didn't hear anybody call for his impeachment or anything like that. But uh, I think that there were, you know, a lot of folks who were uh, upset at uh, maybe the uh, Chief Justice, uh, you know, playing politics from the bench. And that has been, I think, one of the criticisms of uh, Chief Justice Roberts going back to like the Obamacare decision. But when you look at, you know, some of the names, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, President Trump just released his list of his short list of, of, of nominees for the Supreme Court, you know, right before Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed, challenged Joe Biden to do the same. Biden's not done so. Uh, but if you look at those, uh, the list of judges, the list of, the, the list of nominees that the uh, president has said, okay, this is the list I'm going to be choosing from. Uh, you know, gun owners, I think, have a lot to be, um, uh, you know, hopeful about. There are a number of justices or a number of judges, a number of uh, judicial candidates on there. Uh, who have a very, very strong record in in terms of back in the Second Amendment. And I think that mm-hmm. even holds true for uh, one of the names that's emerged as as the front runner uh, to be uh, uh, Trump's pick for um, the Associate Justice on the Supreme Court, uh, Judge Amy Comey Barrett. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, and so, again, you know, I, I would argue that, uh, you know, even for some of those judges where they don't necessarily have a, a record on the Supreme or on the Second Amendment issues, uh, judges like, for example, uh, Barbara Lagoa, uh, whose name has come up quite a bit. Um, you know, the, the important thing again is even if they don't have a record on the Second Amendment, these judges who are emerging as the front runners, what we do have is a record of them uh, applying the Constitution faithfully. Uh, that they recognize their their role is to uh, understand the original meaning of that document and to protect the rights as intended, and not to you know, aim for a certain outcome, which in the case of the Second Amendment, if you're applying the document as intended, would protect a lot of Second Amendment rights. Uh, but again, um, you know, I think Amy Coney Barrett, as you, you suggested, very, very strong record uh, across the board um, in faithfully applying the Constitution and being a, a committed textualist and originalist, um, but especially with Second Amendment issues, a very, very strong record with that. Talking to you with Amy Swear of the Heritage Foundation. And, you know, obviously this um, is going to be important on so many issues. But really, when it when it comes to our right to keep and bear arms, um, I mean, this election, it really feels like this is for all the marbles. You know, you, you've got uh, members of uh, Congress who had uh, uh, threatened uh, to, uh, to 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 reorient the court. I think that was their language. Uh, if the Supreme Court didn't. Uh, moot the New York City gun case. You've got a uh, a campaign in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that want to ban the most commonly owned rifles, the most commonly sold magazines in the country, make it a federal felony offense to continue to own them if you don't register them with the government and hand over hundreds of dollars uh, for every banned item. Uh, you know, the, the Second Amendment really is at stake here. And it seems to me that, uh, you know, this election, if, if nothing else, uh, does come down to what is our Second Amendment going to look like five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? Is it even going to exist? Uh, or, or could it be, you know, declared a, a dead letter? I don't know if the if, if a Biden Supreme Court would uh, overturn Hillary McDonald, but they could still do a lot of damage 
to 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 limit what those decisions mm-hmm. said and then basically declare that uh, yeah you might have a right to own a handgun in your home but that's where the right stops right a- absolutely and again that's that's why it's so important that you know when you're talking about what type of judge do you want in this role you want a judge uh, who is who is committed to to faithfully uh, protecting those second amendment rights in the way that it was intended and not just sort of rubber stamping uh, you know, whatever gun control issue comes before them just because they think guns personally are, are bad and should be prohibited. And so therefore the state should be able to regulate it however the heck they want. Um, you know, so, so you're, you're right. This is very important. Uh, it, it's important for a lot of reasons, but specifically when you're talking about an issue that is at the national forefront, you know, whether it's uh, abortion, whether it is second amendment, whether it is, you know, fourth amendment or due process or whatever it be. Um, you know, the, the type of judge who will uh, faithfully apply the Constitution, regardless of their personal preferences, it, that type of judge is so important in this role, especially uh, in, in a very politically divisive nation right now. Um, you know, you, you need a judge who doesn't care about the politics of it, but cares about faithfully applying the text of the Constitution, which, you know, again, for all of the, the gun listeners out there, the gun owners who are interested in this, has such fundamental, um, it's of such fundamental importance for the Second Amendment um, as much as any of the other amendments. Absolutely. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask you to play Nostradamus here. Uh, if you were a betting woman, uh, what do you think the odds are that we get a new Supreme Court justice before uh, Inauguration Day in 2021? Yeah, so um, this is if I were a betting person, I, I so there, there's probably a good chance uh, that that there is a vote taken before the election. Um, I, I don't think it is, you know, a hundred percent certainty. I, I think the odds are pretty good. Um, I, I think those odds increase if you have a judge uh, who is nominated, who I, I think just like basically any of the front runners at this point, um, who you know isn't committed textualist, who, who conservative. Uh, on the Senate are not going to have concerns about, um, and, and who, you know, I, I think conservatives will really rally behind. I, I think those odds increase. Um, you know, so I, I'd say they're, they're good. They're not perfect. Um, but I, I, I think that would be sort of my, my final analysis is the odds are pretty good. All right. Amy Swear with the Heritage Foundation. It is always good catching up with you. Thank you so much for giving us your insight and analysis today and look forward to doing this again very soon. Thank you for having me. And by the way, let me, let me just let me just elaborate on something. When I said that uh, even if a, a Biden-Harris Supreme Court didn't uh, overturn Heather McDonald, that they could try to limit the right to keep your arms to the, the right to own a handgun in the home, eh, this wouldn't be eh, – now we've got to define right, okay? In New York City, theoretically, you have the right to keep and bear arms. But it doesn't look like a right. It looks like a privilege. Because in order for you to keep a gun in your home, you have to apply to the New York Police Department. You have to get what's called a premises permit, which can take up to a year to receive. You have to hand over all kinds of information to the NYPD, including your tax returns. Ha! A traffic ticket. So much as a traffic ticket could be enough reason to deny you your ability to own a firearm in your home. Now, that's what the right to keep and bear arms would look like nationwide. At best, that's what the right 
would look like nationwide uh, under a uh, Biden-Harris-appointed Supreme Court. So again, the stakes are incredibly high right now. And unfortunately, you know, Democrats seem intent on adding fuel to the fire by talking about uh, and, and, and advocating for packing the Supreme Court, which would mean getting rid of the uh, filibuster in the Senate. But they're already talking about doing that, too. No, you know, and it's it's fascinating to me. We got people uh, today. I saw some uh, goober on MSNBC talking about, well, you know, look, there's there's nothing in the law that says you can't appoint a Supreme Court justice right now. But there are norms that must be followed. And this just blows up all the norms. What about blowing up the filibuster? I mean, that, that that's a norm. What about uh, packing the Supreme Court? That would be violating these norms. It only seems to matter. Norms being destroyed only seem to matter when they can blame Republicans for doing it. If they're in charge, it's not destroying norms. It's progress, right? Yeah. All right. Let's get to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a a case out of Kansas City where a 19-year-old, Daisy Martinez, was shot and killed September 16th during a Mexican Independence Day celebration on Southwest Boulevard in Kansas City. Now, the man arrested for this crime, uh, Diego Calderon Guzman, a convicted felon who uh, served time for a sex crime involving a minor, but was uh, back out on the streets and allegedly uh, the the guy who pulled the trigger, he's been charged with second-degree murder, Unlawful use of a weapon, two counts of armed criminal action, as well as unlawful possession of a weapon. Back in 2014, he pleaded guilty in Wyandotte County, Kansas, to aggravated indecent liberties with a 15-year-old girl. Yeah. It was last Wednesday when officers went to the area of a 27th and Southwest Boulevard on a reported shooting. Uh, witnesses and video surveillance revealed a black Silverado truck with a large Mexican flag in the center rear bumper involved in that shooting. Officers chased the suspected truck, took the defendant and the truck's owner into custody. Uh, they saw a rifle in the truck that the Kansas City Crime Lab later connected to shell casings found at the crime scene. The owner of the truck said that Calderon Guzman shot the victim. Calderon Guzman told police that he fired the weapon after gunfire broke out. He said he thought he was firing at people who were shooting at him and he didn't see the victim running in front of him when he was shot. Yeah. The uh, family of Daisy Martinez uh, trying to raise money for her funeral expenses. They say that uh, they are happy the charges have been filed against Martinez, uh, alleged killer. Uh, One of the family members said, I can't even fully comprehend it. I don't think it's even fully sunk in yet that she's no longer here ever. So that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Calderon Guzman. Uh, does not yet have a court date listed. Prosecutors are asking for $500,000 bond in this case. Uh, could be also facing federal charges if the U.S. attorney decides to uh, pick up the federal, uh, felon in possession charge. But again, all of the uh, uh, folks out there are saying, well, you know, what we need are these common sense gun control laws. We just need common sense gun safety laws. This guy was a felon. Wasn't supposed to be anywhere near a gun or a single round of ammunition. Yet he apparently admitted to police, yeah, I, I was the guy who pulled the trigger. I just didn't see the, the girl running in front of me. I, I thought I was just firing back at people. Yeah. So the next time you hear somebody like Joe Biden say, well, what we need, or Kamala Harris, what we need are these common sense gun safety laws. Ask how those laws that are aimed at you and me and every other legal gun owner in this country, how they would do a damn thing. To stop a guy like this one. 
from illegally obtaining a firearm and pulling the trigger and ending the life of a 19-year-old girl. And on to our armed citizen story of the day. Houston, Texas, where the uh, Houston police says a carjacker was shot after trying to uh, carjack an SUV with a woman inside. This was uh, off of the uh, East X Freeway in Northeast Houston. Happened about uh, 1.15 in the morning uh, last Thursday. Investigators say a, a male suspect in a black Ford F-150, apparently involved in some kind of accident uh, on the freeway, then pulled into this uh, Valero gas station. At the same time, Houston PD says that a couple was at one of the gas pumps. A woman was inside a silver SUV. Man's outside pumping gas. That's when the driver of the Ford F-150 attempts to carjack the vehicle with a woman inside, hops into the driver's seat, tries to take off, that's when the man who was pumping gas pulled out his gun, fired several shots at the suspect, who then jumped back out of the car. Investigators say that he was shot. He ran around to the back of the uh, gas station where he collapsed, taken to the hospital. Police say they're unaware of any injuries to the couple. Obviously, the uh, gentleman who defended his wife, uh, or his uh, companion anyway, not facing any charges, acting in the defense of another. Uh, no word, by the way, on if that uh, uh, would-be carjacker actually survived that encounter. We'll see if we can find more information for you and bring that to you in a uh, future Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Hampton, Georgia, Henry County, where a, a police officer honored for saving two lives in uh, just over a week. Mason Lewis, uh, honored by the uh, city council there in Hampton, Georgia, for his life-saving actions, which began on July 13th. When he uh, showed up at the scene of an automobile accident, discovered a female in a wrecked car with her arm severed below the elbow. That's when Officer Lewis uh, immediately and successfully applied a tourniquet to the victim's arm, slowing the loss of blood, stabilizing her until emergency medical personnel arrived, directly preventing the loss of life, according to the uh, proclamation by the city council. Uh, Hampton Police Chief stated that the wreck stemmed from a domestic dispute in an adjoining county. The victim's ex-husband ran her off the road and then attacked her with a machete, cutting off her arm. Yeah, uh, he says that's not something we see every day, but uh, Officer Lewis was Johnny on the spot. The EMTs were as well. Assailant arrested uh, the next day. He's now uh, currently in the uh, Henry County Jail. Uh, there was also a uh, call that uh, Officer Lewis received on July 21st. Dispatched to a scene where he encountered somebody unconscious as a result of an overdose. He was able to uh, use Narcan to successfully bring the victim back to consciousness. Chief Austin there said, uh, unfortunately, we've had to become trained and supplied with Narcan because of the number of overdose cases we get. Four or five years ago, we were not. And uh, now, again, that is a, a pretty common occurrence. Uh, the 26-year-old officer, Mason Lewis, with the uh, force there in Hampton, Georgia, for almost two years, previously serving as a, a deputy in Spalding County. And again, honored for his uh, life-saving efforts in the right place at the right time, wasn't able to do the right thing not once but twice in the span of a week there in uh, Hampton, Georgia. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program today. Actually, we got we got to we got to squidge more time here. I'm going to I'm going to carve out just a few extra seconds. Uh, as you know, I said we were not going to do a show last Friday. I uh, had to go to the doctor with my wife uh, to get the uh, latest results for her CT scan dealing with her lung cancer. And I just said I wasn't really sure what kind of mood I was going to be in. Yeah, well, I wasn't in a very good mood. We did not get uh, good news on Friday. Uh, unfortunately, uh, her cancer is progressing. The chemotherapy is not working at the moment. So we, um, 
are hopeful that we'll be able to start a new treatment here in the uh, coming days if our uh, insurance company doesn't decide to uh, jack us around and play some games. Uh, if they do, don't worry. I'll actually be talking about that probably on the show as well and certainly on my Twitter at uh, Cam Edwards. Uh, but I do want to thank each and every one of you for your prayers and your kind words and your thoughts. Um, we are still in the fight. She has not given up. She is still feeling pretty good. Still uh, working two jobs, homeschooling, dealing with goats and pigs and chickens. So she's still getting around and, and you know, kicking butt. And uh, we're going to make sure that that is the case uh, for as long as possible. But uh, again, just wanted to give you an update and thank you again for uh, uh, for all of the outreach that I received over the weekend. It was um, it, it, it really was um, needed and greatly appreciated. All right. Now. We're out of time for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But the good news is we will be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Don't forget you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you never miss a program. You can also subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, be sure to spread the word as well. Let folks know that uh, this is your uh, one-stop stop. One-stop shop. That's what I meant to say. For uh, everything you need to know about what's going on with our right to keep and bear arms on a daily basis, make sure you check out Bearing Arms multiple times a day as well. And we'll be back tomorrow again with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information right here on Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.